TFM. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp Five, our dedicated Star Trek Enterprise show. I'm Christopher Jones, and with me, as he always is, is my esteemed co-host Matthew Rushing. And Matthew, I hope you're hungry because I've brought a spread of cheese. I've got some different flavors of ice cream for you to try. It's just going to be like a Dairy extravaganza, and I just hope you're not lactose intolerant. Well, Chris, uh, so you're, what you're saying is it's going to be legendary, mm. uh, and exactly. so uh, no, yeah. I am thankfully uh, not lactose intolerant. So I, I appreciate you asking, though, and uh, no, I'm very excited here to try this spread. Although I would say uh, that the food it seems a little bland uh, when it comes to the aroma here of the food, and so. I hope you've, uh, you know, upped your game, how shall we say, aromatically, uh, if that's a word, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, it, I feel like I just need a little bit more in that, in that area. Uh, yeah, I think aromatic, that was a band in the 80s, I it think, It does right? kind of sound like a band in the 80s, so. <laughs> or the title of a Eurythmics album, where are the other? Probably, probably. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, in addition to eating cheese and ice cream today, we're going to be talking about Cogenitor as we continue our 20th anniversary rewatch of Enterprise. This is the 22nd episode of Season 2, and here's a quick rundown of the story. The Enterprise makes first contact with the Visians, a species that has a lot in common with humans, such as a love of exploration a fascination with ice cream, and an interest in large tactical arrays. But they also have key differences, like a third gender that enables reproduction. Given the specialized role these cogenitors, as they are called, play in Vician society, they have little need for niceties such as literacy. That doesn't sit well with Trip, who befriends the cogenitor of the Vician chief engineer, who himself doesn't get a name, but we can call him Enrique Munez, and his wife, Kala. When Tripp teaches the cogenitor to read, it leads them to questioning and taking their own life. While Tripp's intentions may have been good, the outcome was not. All right, Matthew. So, you heard there, I said we can call the chief engineer Munez because you probably recognize that the actor F. J. Rio played Munez in several episodes of Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. which we have discussed yes. before. Yes, I love that, um, and and I always love when actors get a chance to to come back for different series and, and play different characters. And of course, that happens a bunch here on Enterprise. A lot of these people are familiar uh, because they have been in previous seasons of, of Star Trek, and why not bring them back? And I think you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what what's great about that casting is that, and I think the casting overall for this entire episode is that, you know, the Vissians are such a wonderfully amiable race of people, and they, they really come across as kind and caring, and, you know, Tripp even says, you know, it, it's, it's wonderful to have first contact where weapons are involved, basically, and, mm-hmm. you know, I think... 
that doesn't happen all of that often in in Star Trek, it seems like. But this is one of those places where it does. But then, of course, that allows the episode to really dive into discussing some ethical and moral quandaries Mm -hmm. uh, about what it means to be uh, and meet a a new uh, alien species. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and this is, I think, of Enterprise, this is probably one of the top episodes when it comes to those type of ideas. I think of this episode, and I think the other one is probably Similitude, where we're talking about Mm -hmm. like ultra-deep philosophical issues and the ramifications of those on the actions in which our characters are going to take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not getting bogged down in the battle, not getting bogged down in some sort of conflict that takes advantage of special effects, just focusing on what's going on makes a big difference. And I think here, the one thing that I want to talk about when we get to it is how Archer and Drenik, the Vissian captain, hit it off so well together. And you've got that very amicable relationship going on between two explorers and contrasting that with what's going on aboard the Enterprise, where you've got actually different dynamics going on with different combinations of Enterprise crew members and Vissian crew members. And it all comes together, I think, to uh, give us a story where we can explore some very important issues, uh, but also not be, even though we always remember this episode because of what happens with the cogenitor, it's still not the singular story. It's not the singular message that we get from the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things is that this episode, yeah, even though it, uh, it takes place as a first contact mission and we don't think of, uh, you know, the idea of massive special effects and all that kind of stuff. This is actually an episode that is absolutely f- effects heavy because of what they're doing of studying this hypergiant. We see them exploring oh, yeah, the hypergiant. So there's a ton yeah. of work in that way. But, you know, like you mentioned, we do see here the other side of the story, which is Archer and Drenik and their fast friendship, right? They, they find that there's a lot mm-hmm. of similarities here in them in the sense that they are both very much explorers, right? This is what they're out here to do. And so one of the things that draws them to the other is their desire to be able to learn more and to grow more and to get to know another culture and to see how that culture thinks about things. And, you know, I mean, the fact that, of course, every culture that meets us thinks Shakespeare is the best because, you know, Shakespeare <laughs> right? is the best. Um, but, you know. Maybe Shakespeare was actually an alien, a time-traveling alien. <laughs> and because of all of the places he had visited over the millennia, when aliens read his work, they have this natural affinity for it, this natural connection that only Shakespeare could bring to the table or the page. I mean, it's true. Uh, you you haven't read Shakespeare <laughs> until you've read it in the original Vizian. Uh, but this exactly. is, um, I, I think, one of the things that in many ways makes Shakespeare, of course, so timeless is the way in which he deals with all of these very human emotions and, and, and mm-hmm. timeless struggles uh, of humanity and so then this playing out in the way that it does very much speaks to that which is our biggest struggles when it comes to 
the idea of cultural ethics, moral dilemmas, cultural relativism, all of those type of things are things that we're never going to stop dealing with, right? And so that's what mm-hmm. I think makes a story like this become so timeless in many ways. So, But no, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think the relationship between Archer and Drenick is such a wonderful relationship. And it also does speak to the fact that this is an episode that's kind of rife for being followed up on. Mm-hmm. It makes me lament to the fact that Enterprise never got more seasons because this absolutely seems like a place in which the series could have followed up with these aliens in like a fifth or sixth season. And it would have been very interesting to see if and what changes might have been made in their culture because of their interaction with us um, and, uh, you know, speaking of not you and I, but of course the, the crew of the enterprise. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about the core moral dilemma and cultural relativism that is at play in this episode with how Tripp views the situation with the co-genitor and the actions that he took, because this episode I've seen it so many times over the years since it first aired, and I think my feelings have changed a little bit over the years based on my own experiences. I think for me, having lived more than half my life outside of the culture that I grew up in and having visited other cultures as well and having getting to know people from various cultures while on the surface, I can see Tripp looking at the situation and feeling like he wants to help and genuinely feeling that what he's doing is going to help this person. Looking at a situation in another culture through your own eyes where you don't have the context, or maybe if you do know the context, it's still hard for you to see it in any way that differs from how you grew up and the culture you grew up in. And so obviously in this episode, that really leads to a tragic situation. How have you seen this episode from the first time that you saw it to rewatching it for this discussion? I think it's very interesting that you have changed in that way, because I think that I have changed in the opposite direction in the sense that Mm -hmm. I don't think that Trip handles the situation right in the sense that I I think Trip is right in the sense that the way that the Vissians treat the cogenitor is wrong because I I don't see how anyone can see it differently and the reason that is is because I I think this is where cultural relativism does butt up against the idea of there have to be some moral absolutes that we hold to. And to Mm -hmm. me, all beings deserve respect and honor, regardless of whether or not they are given it by culture. And Mm -hmm. I think this, this episode very much speaks to the idea of, and, and the things that are being thrown at us are the same ideas that were, were said of the reason that people were kept as slaves and Mm -hmm. all of those type of those reasonings. And none of those are good or right. And therefore, Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we can, and, 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 and 
I think the beauty of this episode is is that really it it actually shows the way in which cultural relativism breaks down because this this episode does show us a situation to which we all immediately say, no, that's not right. And the question then has mm-hmm. to be, why do we all say that? Because we just instinctively know that this being deserves to have the same rights and privileges of any other being on their planet, regardless of, of what their role is in, in that society. And mm-hmm. so the, the, the main issue that happens in the episode is that, yes, the way that Trip goes about this is completely wrong, right? To, right. to go behind yeah. their backs and all those type of things. To create a dialogue with these people and to say, look, I don't believe that the cogenitor is being treated in the way that they should be treated. And, and I want to have a dialogue about that because, you know, one, scientifically, they are just as mm-hmm. capable of learning and growing as anybody else in your race. So what would be the reason for holding that back? Well, that would be the way to approach it. Yeah, right, right. Trip is right in one way, but he's wrong mm-hmm. in another. And yeah. so I, I think that's well, okay. the thing that, that really um, gets me about the episode because he handles it yeah. incorrectly, but I, I don't think his actual assumption about the H cogenitor is wrong. Well, no, neither do I. And I think that now that you describe everything in that way, I think what I was saying a moment ago about viewing a situation in another culture from your position of being outside that culture is can lead to problems is the same thing because I agree with you that Trip is correct in being concerned about the cogenitor, and yes, everyone should have the same opportunities and the same rights, regardless of whether they're a particular gender or whatever their role is in any given society. The thing is that if you see someone who you feel is being wronged, then the approach to trying to remedy that is what you're describing, you know, open a dialogue. It takes time, right? That's where I think maybe the interesting thing about this episode is that the situation it presents, the societal problem that it presents, and the need to change the situation of people who are being oppressed or held back or not given opportunities is an important one. And finding a solution to that is important. But because of the compressed nature of the story, obviously, it's about 42 minutes, you can't actually, unless you have a story where, which they do sometimes in Star Trek these days, you know, where it's like two weeks later, or two months later, you know, if you were to jump, then you could tell a story where you're showing a proper approach to resolving a situation. But in this story, you can't do that, especially because it's set up as a first contact situation. And so by the nature of the first contact, they're not going to, the humans, the Enterprise crew and the Visians are not going to be together for very long. Right. So the story itself is probably the wrong framework for 
truly addressing the big idea mm-hmm. of this episode. Right. No, I, I think that's right. And that's where we run into problems where we can see Tripp as having good intentions in his actions, but going about it in a very wrong mm-hmm. way. Well, and, and this is one of those things, you know, when you, you think about, say, uh, the civil rights movement in the, in the 60s, right? This is a movement that takes a lot of time. This is a movement that, that mm-hmm. takes a lot of persuasion and it, it, it takes a lot of work and that's what would need to happen in this situation. Right. Because I I think there absolutely does need to be a civil rights movement for the cogenitors. They do Mm -hmm. need to be recognized as full persons. And, and I think the thing that really strikes me here is the most, the, the thing that is, is actually kind of somewhat disgusting to me about the episode, right? The Vissians are, saying that they have the right to determine who is a person and who is not a person, basically. Mm-hmm. The personhood status of somebody. And the, the 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 moment that we are labeling something so that we can treat it as not a person is so mm-hmm. dangerous. And there are many, many yeah. ways in which that is still happening in our world today. And yep. it's very disturbing. That that we play those type of linguistic games so that we can treat a person as not a person. And so because I, th- I believe and, you know, this is where I come from a place uh, of understanding that all people deserve the rights and privileges of being people because we're given that by God. Right. And so. And and again, that's that's where I think, you know, even even though you don't believe in God, we actually still agree on that point in the sense that all people yeah, deserve of the course. rights of of personhood because yeah. it's just inherent to who we are. Right. I mean, how how we each believe we came to be right. in this universe is beside the point where this is concerned, right? The fact that once we exist, everyone exists. Right. We should be entitled to yeah. the same opportunities and rights, regardless. Well, and and I think too. I mean, you know, I think we can just search throughout history, and any time somebody has used language to devalue somebody else for their own benefit, mm-hmm. it has been a horrible and dangerous and ugly and gross thing to happen. And again, the sad part is, is that we find ourselves here in the 21st century and we think we're so enlightened and yet we're still playing these same type of games and using it to our advantage in many different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's terrible and it has to stop. And so I think an episode like this really shines a light on that. And it actually shows because, you know, Archer is right in the sense that it's not that we can't go out and judge other cultures, but unless we want to be a part of, you know, if, if Trip wants to become a Vissian to fight for the rights of the cogenitors, that would be what he would need to do, right? Right. You can't yeah. drive by, shoot, uh, you know, when it yeah. comes to like uh, these 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 cultural and moral dilemmas. And so, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the the thing about Star Trek that's so interesting, right, is that the Federation doesn't say you have to believe certain things, but you do have to have a certain code of values to join the Federation. 
Mm-hmm. So you can do and be whatever you want to outside the Federation. But if you decide to join our group, you would have to uphold a certain type of values like this to become a part of us. And so, yeah, I think the the episode, I, I know the episode wants to be like a first contact and a um, the idea of kind of touch on cultural relativism. But I think that the episode itself is not necessarily as clean as it could be. And I think maybe even today might have a rewrite or two to, Mm -hmm. I think, make it clearer because I understand the reason that Archer is upset with Trip, but I also don't think that Archer himself doesn't actually agree with Trip's thoughts on the rights that the cogenitor should have. Because I think, again, this conversation is so much more nuanced than just a straight up and down, black and white type of thing. Mm -hmm. So where do you think Archer differs from Trip in terms of the cogenitor's rights? I I, See, that's the thing. I don't actually think that Archer does, but I I think that Archer Mm -hmm. is coming at this from the place of the way you've gone about this is the exact wrong way. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, and right, so right. that's yeah. the difference that they have. Yeah, that's how I yeah. read it too, yeah. So, yeah, I I think the, the core point of the episode is just to show that as humans are exploring in deep space for the first time, they're going to charge out into the unknown and they're going to carry their own viewpoints naturally but carry their own viewpoints with them and they're going to judge the other cultures that they encounter based on their own culture and their own beliefs and for humanity to grow in star trek they need to be able to overcome that and be able to distance themselves a little bit from what's happening in the moment I guess I would say, because there are plenty of times in Star Trek later on on the timeline, once we have the prime directive, where a captain has to take a position or an officer has to take a position Mm -hmm. on something that they are not comfortable with because they want to do something because it feels wrong for them not to act. But they hold back because they know that there's this prime directive they're representing the United Federation of Planets and Starfleet, and they are not supposed to take matters into their own hands in the way that Trip does here. And so the point of the episode is, how, how do we get the NX-01 crew, humans of this time period, into that future of Star Trek? But that that idea of portraying that is one thing, and then actually presenting a situation mm-hmm. through which to show a situation in action, it doesn't work as cleanly, like you say, because I think if we had known, for example, that Enterprise was going to run for seven seasons, this could have been a story that we revisit a couple of times, and maybe we could show uh, a different side of humans becoming part of the larger galactic community by having Archer and Trip communicate with the Visians and work through 
Drenick and particularly Drenick, but maybe the chief engineer and his wife as well to affect some change for the cogenitors. But I think that 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 would be a very different story. Whereas I think the point here with the ending Mm -hmm. that we get, of course, is to, to really have Archer have to come down on trip in a, a way that really, I think catches trip off guard because of the long friendship that he has with Archer because trip up until the end, you know, trip doesn't realize that what he's doing mm-hmm. could have real consequences and could actually harm the cogenitor who he's trying to help. And just that shock of hearing that the cogenitor took their own life. Right. It really gets trip and then Archer actually has to put it into words about why that happened. Yeah, I, I think again, the the interesting thing about this is is that we actually see how human values are actually going to become the dominant values of the mm-hmm. the Alpha and Beta quadrants, right? Because mm-hmm. the Federation is so heavily influenced by humanity, and. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is a show written by humans, right? So, and, and it's that makes yeah. a big difference. And it's, it's also yeah, a show yeah. that is is <laughs> exploring what it means to be human through storytelling. So, therefore, yeah, and that's that's a, a real key. Uh, I think obviously the reason that that Trip is taken aback is this is before a Federation. This is with a, an alien race to which is not mm-hmm. a part of a federation and therefore yeah. the reaction then to and the actions taken by trip have obviously seriously and, and deadly consequences and i think you're right i don't think that he realized the way in which his actions could lead to this type of place because i he doesn't realize the extent to which the cogenitor and this culture are completely against any change like this happening. And so this yeah. is again, a well, place I, I think where yeah. the episode, because it's kind of like a drive by there, there isn't the ability to really deal with all of these nuances in the way that we would kind of want. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? We don't know that the, Vissians are completely opposed to any change. But because of the role that the cogenitor plays in their society, any change would require deep thought and discussion mm-hmm, exactly. and probably scientific intervention. Because as it's portrayed here, without the cogenitor, the Vissian race would go extinct because they can't reproduce. So that doesn't mean that the cogenitors need to be treated like non-people. They could still be given all the same rights and opportunities and still produce the enzyme Mm -hmm. that's necessary for Vissian reproduction. But unless you it's it's like so many issues in society that are going to require a shift in thinking or a shift in how we live even if people might agree that oh yeah that would be okay if we did something this way 
you still can't just flip a switch and change how society functions mm -hmm. in an instant and expect everything to go smoothly and everyone to agree with it, right? Just yeah. next time. So I guess that's the main theme of our discussion yeah. Yeah. is that the framework of this story doesn't work for the actual situation that is being addressed because it's a long-term change that would have to be mm -hmm. taken. And and I think that goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning about how my view of the episode has shifted a bit over the years because of my own circumstances and and living in a different culture for so long. Again, it's I, I think that like in Japan, if you were to visit Japan, you would see things in society that you would feel like, well, I can't believe that they do that here. I can't believe that that is how this group of people are viewed or treated, or there's this rule or that rule. And you might think, well, that's just, they got to change that. And I'm not going to follow that rule. I'm just going to ignore it because that's not how I would do it. But in reality, that's not going to work out very well for you. And if you live here long term, like I do, and, and so many other people who I know, uh, who are expats have been here for decades, you come to understand that, yeah, things can change, but you need to approach it in the right way. And then it's going to take time. And that's where my what I was saying at the beginning, it's more about that in broader terms, not specifically in the idea of, mm -hmm. hey, right. we can treat uh, a human being like they're not a human being. That's not what yeah. I was talking about. Yeah. Because I think in terms of Star Trek, the, the theme, one theme in this episode is what I'm describing here of you can't charge into another culture mm -hmm. and just change everything oh, yeah. to be the Absolutely. way that you would expect it to be. And then another theme in this episode is this idea of how do we treat living beings mm -hmm. and how do we ensure that everyone has equal rights and equal opportunities? Well, and I, I think the most interesting thing here, too, and the thing that really stood out to me was the way in which cultures can negate science if it stands in the way of their mm -hmm. culture, right? The way that things yeah. have always been done or... If science stands in the way of me being able to do what I want, then science is not right. And mm -hmm. that is rife in our own culture today, where science is yeah. increasingly in, so, sadly, yes. in the 21st yeah. century. It's completely yeah. disregarded, right, mm -hmm. for what we all know to be true for the way that we feel or we want something, the way we want something to be. And I, I think it's interesting how this episode actually is maybe even more poignant on that point than it was when this episode came out. Mm -hmm. And so I, I find that to just be fascinating. And I, I really appreciate the, the, you know, it's one of the things that Trip goes to immediately, which is the science of this. Like, is there any reason why this person shouldn't be considered a person? Absolutely mm -hmm. not. And there are too many places in the world today where 
we negate the personhood of a person because we want to, because it's more convenient or we like it better or it's what's culturally appropriate or, you know, I mean, it's just so many things. And then there's other places where science is completely denied because it fits more in with the our general feelings, you know? And mm-hmm. so there's just such a danger here um, that this episode, I think, shows us. And, you know... um, they did a great job on that that front, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've covered this pretty thoroughly. Uh, so as to not uh, keep going over the same <laughs> themes, which I personally feel like I may be doing a little bit, why don't we wrap up with some final thoughts? And what's your rating for this one? I think this is a really good episode because it allows us to be able to think very deeply I do think that this is also a place where the the absolute limitations of the series comes to light. And so mm-hmm. I think that I'm going to be generous in the sense that this episode is probably more like a three and a half, really, just because of all the things we've talked about and how limited it is in the discussion. But because it's led mm-hmm. to such a great discussion, I am going to give this four out of five Limburger cheeses because, well, oh, wow. the aroma. Yeah, I mean, it's not that strong, you know, but it gets you some good uh, Vician Gorgonzola. I mean, it puts Earth Gorgonzola to shame. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Yeah, no, it's it's... Well said, and I think my view of the episode, I mean, after our discussion, it was a good chat, I think, because one thing I had, to, I, I'm generally so focused on the actual story elements and how those are playing out that I'm not really thinking about whether this is the right canvas for the message in the first place. And I think that that's the key point here is that I like what they tried to do with this episode. I think the messages are very important on uh, an individual level where the co-genitor is concerned, where Trip is concerned on the broader level where two cultures coming into contact with one another are concerned. And then in the overall building of the, foundation of what Star Trek is all about. So I think the story is good in all those respects. I like what they do there, but I really would have liked to have seen this followed up on and seen a more measured and meaningful approach to to finding a better position for the cogenitors in Vissian society, if that's something that the humans really wanted to do. Because I do think that Trip could have gotten Archer on his side and then they could have reached out and tried to make a difference. And so for that to happen, this could have been a multi-part story, which would have been something that would have fit into Enterprise's style of storytelling. But we didn't get because of the upcoming shifts, which we'll be talking about in the series in uh, just a few more weeks. So I'm going to give this one eight quotations from Shakespeare. And previously, I probably would have given it nine. But I'm going to shave one off for the fact that the framework just doesn't really support the goal of the story. 
All right, everyone, we would love to hear your thoughts on Cogenitor. There are many ways for you to share those with us. Perhaps the best way is to go to Facebook and join the Babel Conference. That is our listeners group. If you're joining for the first time, the way to find it is to type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or the whole name, the Babel Conference. If you're joining for the first time, please do answer the questions and agree to the rules of the forum so that I can let you in. It's a closed group intended for listeners to extend the conversation beyond the podcasts. So we do like to know that we have listeners in there. So it's not just another Star Trek group on Facebook. And if you'd like to send us email, you can do that by going to our website, trek.fm slash contact. Use the form you find there. Choose to send to a show and choose Warp 5. And that'll come to Matthew and me by email. And of course, you can find us everywhere in social media. Our username is trek.fm. And if your podcast app of choice allows you to leave a rating and a review, we'd love to get that from you as well. Now, Matthew, when you're not taking your new spaceship for a spin around a hypergiant, where can people find you? Well, of course, you could find me all over the place on social media under the name MattRushing02. Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero are the places that I am most active. Uh, of course, you will also find me here on the network outside of our Star Trek talk uh, over on the 602 Club talking about all of the things that we love outside of Star Trek. So, so many different fandoms. We hope you'll join us. It's a great time over there. We've got some great surprises for you here coming up as well. You can also find me doing literary tracks about the books and the comics of Star Trek. Chris, you and I are doing our 30th anniversary rewatch of Star Trek Deep Space Nine over in the Orb, which has been a blast. Of course, you can also find us with Saddle Up as that returns. We've got the return of Strange New Worlds and the Artificial Tango has wrapped up for the moment as Star Trek Picard has come to an end with Season 3, but we've got some fun surprises for you in store. In fact, Don't worry, we are going to go back and talk about Season 1, so that will be coming in the future. And you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network with two shows. One is called Owl Posts. I did that with Drake Hoffman, talking through every single chapter of Harry Potter, one chapter at a time. And the great John Mills and I are talking about Star Wars each and every week over on Aggressive Negotiations. But Chris, you know, if people would like to see what kind of stinky cheeses you're enjoying today... (laughs) Or just in general, where can people find you? (laughs) Well, yeah, you can go to my new blog, stinkycheeses.com. It's, it's, um, it's, It's quite a project I've got going there. But when I'm not working on that, you can find me elsewhere on the network with you doing all those shows that you've mentioned. Also, Larry Nemechek and I do The Ready Room from time to time. And you can find me in the back catalog on a range of shows. And if you'd like to chat, you can find me in social media. My username everywhere is C Brian Jones, letter C and Brian with a Y. Twitter is where I'm most active. I'm also trying out all the various other social media platforms that are popping up. So if you're on one of those, you're trying it out, you'll probably find me there. Send me a message. I'm seeing which ones take off and which ones don't. But for right now, Twitter is where I'm still most active and I'd Love to chat with you there. See Brian Jones. And if you would like to help us keep this show and everything that we're doing on the network going, we could definitely use your help to find out how to support us. Please visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm. 
You can become an associate producer, get involved in other ways. We wouldn't be here without your support. So a huge thank you goes out to everyone who's supporting us right now. We really, really do appreciate it so very, very much. Well, Matthew, as if we didn't get enough of the Borg lately, it looks like we're going to visit them one more time next week as we talk about regeneration. So looking forward to that. Well, Chris, I can't wait to get to another Borg story. So let's go. (laughs) 